You're listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast with Romza. The world is currently in a state of rebirth. All of the systems we have inherited are collapsing and failing us as a species. It's time for us to come together and create something out of nothing. If you crave deeper purpose, unshakable strength, and a life aligned with your truth, this is for you. This is for you if you are curious and not afraid to ask questions. This podcast is for those searching for their purpose and those ready to step into their full potential. For lovers of truth and those ready for masculine medicine, this podcast is an adventure that gives voice to a journey of healing, discovery, and embodiment. We'll challenge the old narratives we inherited and forge a new path. Join us in this fearless exploration of the multiple dimensions of being human, breathwork, mindset, healing the body, detox, and how to use the gentle way of jujitsu to make you unstoppable in your wellness, business, life, relationships, and more. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine, as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Hey guys, welcome back to Our Deepest Fear with your host, Rome Zah, or Roman Zerodansky, whatever whatever you want to call me. Today I'm here with Yuri Marmerstein, and he is a circus performer. He's self-employed, and essentially he's just still trying to figure it all out, just like the rest of us. And he does a lot of movement as a handstand and movement coach, and then he does a lot of work performing as well. He's still working on a lot of his accomplishments, and essentially in his leisure time, he likes to go out into nature, relax, train, learn new things, cook, and whatever else comes up. Right now, he's creating a lot of instructional content. He's taking acting classes, stunts, and working on possibly getting into the film industry. Yuri is what some might call a generalist, and he's the guy that I actually contacted when I wanted to finally do a pancake stretch. And it's been four months now, and I'm touching the floor now nice. with my face and chest. So thank you, Yuri, and welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Where, uh, just just to get some intros, me and Yuri have never really talked. I've taken one of his classes, but where did you grow up? Um, I, So I was born in complicated politics, present-day Ukraine, former Soviet Union. I left what part? with my family. Hmm? What part of Ukraine? Uh, Odessa. So, okay. um, south near the Moldova-Romanian border, 
on the north end of the Black Sea. So we moved uh, to the USA in 1992, which was, you know, a couple of years after the Soviet collapse. Um, and then I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, mainly. So uh, between Ohio and um, and the Eastern Europe, I guess, would be where I'm from. But yeah, it's complicated. It's always hard to, to say where because it's politics, borders, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I actually, um, I moved to the U.S. in 91. Nice. Uh, we went through Ukraine to move to the U.S. From where? Uh, Chechnya. Ah. So we were in Donetsk. Yep. We went to Donetsk and then we flew out to New York. Yeah, I think for us it was, we went through, we took a train to Kiev, a plane to Moscow, a plane to New York, and then another plane to, no, I think we went through Frankfurt. So we went from Odessa to Kiev to Moscow to Frankfurt to New York and then to Cleveland. I love it. How old were you when you came? I was five. I still remember it. Remember they had um orange slices and they had a kiwi slices on the plane, which for me was a big deal because I'd never <laughs> yeah. I'd never even seen a kiwi before. It's like what the hell is this kind of fruit? And then when we got to the our apartment that we had lined up, there was like some food in the fridge and there were bananas. And I remember I think that was my first time eating bananas as well. Because it's like you couldn't really get those in the in the Soviet Union since they're all imported. I remember I ate two bananas, and as a five year old, like eating two whole bananas, that's a lot for sure. You had to know somebody that knew somebody yeah. that robbed somebody in order to get some bananas, yeah. and they'd be green. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what were you like as a kid growing up? Um, hard to say. Probably on the quiet side. I know I, I spent a lot of time to myself. I like to wander and explore and daydream. Uh, this kind of stuff. I was really good at memorizing stuff. I know I like the, uh, I, I spoke my first words according, I don't remember, according to my, my grandparents at like eight months old. So like by one year, I was already talking quite a bit. They said by like four or five years old, I was memorizing like the, these long stories and reciting them in the public square, uh, stuff like that. The move to America was for sure a shock, like culturally and socially. Um, so that, that made things a little bit different in terms of, you know, psychology and childhood development and all that. Cause I, you know, obviously, you know, kids get made fun of and all that. And I had like a few, I was, you know, I had red hair, I had a funny name and I was a foreigner. So that was like three things that you could make fun of me for. So I definitely, it took its toll. It's, it's all for the best, but I, I know, yeah, I always loved, I was never super social, Always more of an introvert, um, kind of liked spending time by myself. I liked exploring on my own, and, and I still like to do that. So I guess some changes, but not too many. <laughs> For sure. Growing up uh, in Cleveland, did you did you wind up getting into a lot of fights because kids used to tease you, or no? I did. I did a little bit. I'm trying to remember. I had a few fights. I would say by around 14, I kind of stopped. But definitely had some moments of um, definitely got into a few fights, had a, a bit of rage built up, a lot of uh, emotion that I had to later dissipate. So I do remember I do remember like throwing chairs and then getting into it a few times now that I think about it. But yeah, yeah, it's what it is. The emotions are there. The rage, it's, it's good to let them let them come up and then let them dissipate naturally. Maybe not by throwing chairs, but you, know, you got to do what you got to do. Oh, good, bad, right? Like yeah. it's all—it's all a matter of perspective. Yeah, no one's better than a it's all for the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What was your family dynamic like as an immigrant in Cleveland? 
Um, we got rid- nothing different. Uh, so I got raised by my grandparents a lot, obviously, because we came over. My parents were working full time. They were around, of course, but you know, they, they were working a lot. Grandparents were working too, but I spent a lot of time, uh, with my grandparents for sure, which is, it's more typical from that Eastern European kind of, you know, Russian Jewish family anyway, is, is usually the grandparents do a lot of the, the babysitting of the kids. So I got, um, I got tutored a lot in different stuff. My one grandma was a Russian teacher. My grandpa was a math professor. So, um, I have a, a brother and a sister, but there's a big age difference. So my brother is seven years younger than me. My sister is 17 years younger than me. So big difference. I'm trying to think family dynamic. Yeah. But like I said, I had a lot of time to, to explore on my own for sure. So definitely like, you know, Nowadays, like kids are always being babysat. They can't be left alone. I got left alone a lot. So I got, um, which isn't a bad thing because I think it's important to be able to spend time alone, both as a kid, as an adult. It's important to not all the time to embrace the social culture as well. But yeah, thinking about it now, it wasn't even my choice a lot of the time. I just got kind of left alone and left to my own devices and I survived. They call this latchkey kids. Right. In the United States, <laughs> for sure. So what did you want to be when you grew up? I don't even, I'm trying to remember and I don't really know because um, I guess probably something related to science, but that's kind of like, you know, what I got fed that I was supposed to do based on, you know, parents and grandparents and all that stuff. Um, so I definitely got got pushed into taking a lot of science classes, which I did enjoy. Um, I, I was pretty pretty good at science and math. English was probably my worst subject in school, which is funny enough because then, you know, ten fifteen years later, I ended up becoming a writer. Um, so you, you appreciate it in a different way, I'm sure. If you told my English teachers in high school that I became a published author, uh, they'd be pretty surprised. But sometimes that's how it goes. You have to not be not enjoy something in order to fully appreciate it later. But I, I don't know. I didn't really have, uh, I still don't have plans, but I don't think even back then I had plans of knowing what I was going to do. And at one point I like got into growing plants and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to college for botany. And that, that was just kind of like a, a random, random thing that I was into for a few months. Uh, I ended up going to school for physics, which was also something that I didn't have in mind. I did my first year of college undecided, and then um, and then I think the second year or towards the end of the first year, because I was taking our know, generalist classes, then I picked physics because I thought, I don't know, why not? Um, seems interesting enough. And they, it wasn't bad, but it was still like I picked it basically just pointing my, closing my eyes and pointing my finger at something. It still wasn't something that I knew I wanted to do. Um, and even when I got into the, you know, the fitness stuff and the, the martial arts and the acrobatics, even then I still didn't know it was something I wanted to do. That was just something that I was into, but I didn't even know that you could do it professionally. I just thought it was a cool thing to do. And it's interesting. I remember specifically had a friend who I trained with back in Ohio and he ended up moving to LA to do stunts. He went out West, I want to say three years, maybe three or four years before me. Um, and he basically, he was going to college for, I forget what, I think exercise science or something like that. He ended up dropping out of college so he could train full time and then went out to LA 
And it took a few years, as it does, but he eventually did really well as a stuntman in L.A. And I remember, like, because I was fed this paradigm as well. Remember, he asked me what I thought about, like, you know, dropping out of school and and moving to L.A. and just trying to to live the dream, so to speak. And I said, like, I don't know, because I never know, knew anybody who would do that, who did that, who could do that. I didn't even know that it was a possibility. I just thought it was shit we're doing for fun and it was, you know, a diversion. Um, so I gave my honest answer, like, honestly, I don't know, because at the time that was what I was led to believe. And I'm really glad that, that we both ended up moving out West and doing our own thing and not following the status quo of going to school and getting a job and all this kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I think it's just important to see that there are different pathways and there are different possibilities and whatever you do, it's going to take you a few years. It's not. It's not like you do this thing and then you make it. It's usually going to be a few years of hard work, regardless of what you want to do. But it is possible to to do and to a limit, to a degree, anything you want, as long as you put in the time and the effort. Yeah, for sure. And I guess that um, was like looking at it now, because I know my family who are, you know they're really tra- it, it's you know just how they were raised, you know the traditional belief system and all of that. And me, I finished college, but I just got a bachelor's degree. And I had a job out of college that was related to that, that was a, a good job. And I didn't like that because I was stuck in the corporate world and I got a good taste of it to the point that I I knew that I didn't want to do that. I didn't know what I wanted to do and I knew I didn't want to work in an office, you know, listening to people tell me what to do and then having to <laughs> ship breaks and then you wait for one guy to fix it, another guy to come and you're just you know, spinning in your chair waiting for the gears to turn. I knew that I didn't want to do that. And when I made the move out to Vegas, I know my family was very hesitant. Like they knew I was going to do it, but they were, um, I don't want to say opposed, but kind of like questioning, you know, not confident with it. And even that took a few years until they, they approved it and they didn't approve it until, you know, they found that I was making decent money doing it. But now it's kind of the opposite. Now they're, they're kind of on the understanding that that was essentially what we moved to America for was the ability to do that, the ability to to not get papers, to travel across the country, move somewhere on a whim, put in years of hard work and have that amount to something without being brought down by the system. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I, I think back to my childhood growing up and my dad used to almost like look down upon individualism. And it was something that he used to scoff at. And it was something that it was just burning inside of me too, like that freedom to do what the fuck I want. Like there is no way. The problem with like socialism or communism or or even democracy, right? Like people, I feel like they get caught in like, this is the way, but there is no way. Like everyone gets to walk their own path and make their own mistakes and and enjoy it if they want, you know? So it's fucking beautiful yeah, that you move sure. to the world. And then also like the understanding of money. Like obviously you have to pay bills, but at the same time, if you spend your life paying bills doing something you hate, it it's good if you have money. And that was like the lesson that I hit as well doing that corporate job because I, I got that job out of college and I was a contractor, so I was getting pretty high rates and I was getting a lot of overtime. And I kind of hit that point where I was making a lot of money. And that was very helpful, you know, for paying off the college loans and all of that. But I was hitting that point where I'm working 60 to 80 hours a week, 
I'm making a lot of money, but I'm not satisfied with my life because I can't do the stuff that I actually want to do because I'm always working. So then it's like, what's that sacrifice? And I went, I did a complete turnaround after that contract was done. I started coaching gymnastics, which was the opposite, which was like, you know, 25, 30 hours a week at a much lower pay grade. But at the same time, I was able to stay active. I was able to train. I was able to do the stuff that I wanted to do. So I was much happier doing that job, even though it was, you know, not as high class of a, a job in modern society. And even though I was getting paid a lot less, I was making a fraction of what I was making. That's also another thing to consider is like, is it worth doing something you don't like just for the money? If you get paid enough, maybe it is. But you know that that's another thing to consider and a decision to make. I, I ask my students this question: It's like, what what is your soul worth, right? Like, what what like what is your what is your price? Yeah. Because if you if you have a price, then you can be bought. If you can be bought, well, and it's all good. Right? Yeah, there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with it. that. It's what it is. the decision you make. There's, yeah, there's no way. But realistically, it's just like a decision that you make and like, that's your price, period. Like you sold that thing for your price. Plus, I was just thinking about you in a corporate environment. It'd be really hard to do handstands in a corporate environment. No. And uh, I was like, so a lot of that work. So I was doing a lot of lab work. I was doing environmental testing on radiation detectors with a lot of travel. And I remember just like, and I was, you know, I think 21 or 22. And I went, I actually gained 12 pounds the first week on the job. Because I went from training like, you know, five hours a day, doing all kind of different stuff and working three jobs that were all pretty physical at the same time to, you know, sitting in a chair or standing in a lab for 10 hours a day. I remember that I weighed 165 and I weighed myself at the end of that first week on the job and I was 177 pounds, which is the heaviest I've ever weighed. And it was just like the, I was living such a high energy lifestyle and then like making such a drastic change. But yeah, I was like, um, I remember at one point just spinning in the chair like for an hour because I was waiting for shit to happen <laughs> and nothing was happening. And I'm working with, you know, dudes who are like sedentary dudes who are in their 50s who are looking at me like this 21-year-old doing circles in his chair. <laughs> They're probably thinking thinking like dogs, you know, like the old dog is tired of everyone's shit and they got the puppy who's like <laughs> trying to play all the time and attack. But yeah, definitely I'm not, and it's something I learned about myself is that I'm not good in the corporate world. I'm not good with following orders. Um, I like to have the freedom to do something. I like to not be micromanaged. I like this idea that if you're hiring someone to do something, you should give them the expectation and the standard and then give them the freedom to do that because you should be hiring them with the assumption that they know or can figure out how to do that. Not that it wasn't the case over there, but it's just the corporate world is and again, that was another lesson I got. It's how it works. It's not very organized because you have so many of these levels of supremacy. You got the CEO and then you got the the bosses under him. And there's so many levels of bosses. By the time the orders actually get out to the people carrying them out, it's like you don't really know anymore. And then you don't Broken get telephone. feedback. That's one thing that I like about being self-employed is whether or not you do things right you know, you get the feedback. If you if you failed, you get the feedback of failure, and then you can make a correction. You can learn from that mistake. If you succeed, you reap the reward. But in the corporate world, it's like you get a salary, right? You don't know until your review, you know, at the end of six months. And it's like this idea that there's no incentive, right? It, that That's what I didn't like about it is if you're better at your job, 
you don't make more money. Yeah. And that's, yeah, for uh, sure. it's a weird place to be. It's, it's unnatural. Like, yeah. Like, wait, so what's your motivation to get better at what you do? Your motivation would be the opposite, right? Like the, you know, the union guys who get their breaks yeah, and get exactly. paid nothing against being in a union, but they, this is what happens at the Vegas convention, right? The union guys, they try to take a long time to do stuff because they're getting paid hourly. So it's actually, you know, worth their time to take longer doing a job. And then because of that, you know, he's still got potholes in the roads because they're, they're not getting paid more to work better or work faster. Yeah. I mean, the system is definitely unnatural in the sense of... Uh... Whereas if someone was responsible, I like that idea of you're being responsible for yourself. So let's say someone is in an independent company and, you know, the reviews are important, word of mouth, and also the quality and speed at which they complete the job. So then it's in their best interest to do a good job, to do it in less time. And not only are they getting paid for that job, but also like that idea that when the customers are satisfied, then they get more, uh, more street cred, more rapport. And I, I like that idea. I like this kind of system as opposed to the corporate system, because then there's incentive to do better and there's incentive to learn and to get better. And that's an yeah. important thing because people get, and I catch myself as well sometimes, and it's really important to not get into that attitude, is to get complacent. Like, right, I, I can already do what I can already do, so I don't need to learn anymore. And that's, I think, one of the worst attitudes to have for life in general. Yeah, there's no fulfillment. There's no joy. It's just survival. Okay, I'm just doing barely enough to get by. And like, there's no, like, man, like, if you're the best fucking hunter, be the best hunter. If you're the healer, be the healer, you know, and it feels like uh, it feels like we're pushed into a mediocre uh, pen yeah. where you have to sit in it. All right. Let's segue a little bit. Who introduced you to movement? Um, It was before before anything else. It was the martial arts movies, right? It was, uh, you know, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, whatever, you know, Chuck Norris. David Carradine, even in, in the old school Kung Fu, who is supposed to be cast as Bruce Lee, but they cast a white guy instead, right? Because Hollywood. Um, so a lot of that was just the old school, like, I mean, you know, before that, you know, you know, my dad and grandpa were, were doing, you know, basic calisthenic stuff. So they would have me do, you know, like whatever sit ups and pull ups, encouraged me to do that stuff. And I wasn't into it at the time. But, you know, years later, I do appreciate the encouragement that they gave me. Um, then I got, I, I played some sports, but I wasn't good at the sports, right? I played baseball, but I was right field because I was just daydreaming all the time, you know, catching butterflies. Because I didn't give a shit. They, they put me in, a, I do appreciate as well that my parents did put me in a bunch of sports. Um, like same thing, you know, swimming. I'm not a good swimmer, but I'm not a bad swimmer. But I got some ribbons. I got first place ribbons when I was the only one <laughs> in the actual <laughs> race. But I, I do like looking back now, even if I didn't like doing that stuff, I do appreciate that they put me into a bunch of different sports just to have that versatility as opposed to sticking with one sport and specializing. Because I think there's a, there's definitely a negative to that as, you know, working with a lot of child athletes. So there was that. Then, uh, you know, I, I played soccer throughout high school. I didn't care that much about winning, you know, um, there was, so I think towards my senior year of high school is when I started really like getting into more of the fitness stuff. So, um, it was the martial arts movies that was the old school strong men. 
So I was reading books, you know, from the early 1900s by Maxick and Sandow and Charles Atlas and all this kind of stuff, because that was, you know, the only stuff I had available at that point. It was, you know, there was no YouTube back then or anything like that. So it wasn't a particular person because I didn't really have anyone to train with. I had a friend as well in high school. He did Kung Fu. I don't remember how I met him, but um, we ended up doing a lot of like training and sparring together. Neither of us had an absolute clue what we were doing, but it was fun, you know, kicking trees, doing stuff in the movies, you know, like eating in horror stance and slapping random things. You know, I, I used to kick a bag of rocks to make my feet and shin stronger, uh, stuff like that. I got into, so it wasn't a particular person necessarily that introduced to it, but I, I just, I kind of got into it. I played ultimate frisbee in a league towards the end of high school as well. And then once I got into college is when I segued into doing capoeira and acrobatics and this kind of stuff. So um, I remember capoeira, there was, uh, he was a, the guy I learned initially from, he was a dance student at the school and he learned capoeira from playing Tekken. But, you know, he, he was a student of movement, so he was able to, to copy the movements as well. So um, I would say his name was Chris Whitney. I think he's a professional dancer now still somewhere. Um, he was probably my first introduction to the movement in quotes, as you would see in the modern world, because that, that was when I started getting into, into capoeira and into the, the acrobatics and flipping side of things. Um, I continued that in college. I met some random gymnasts. I ended up doing cheerleading as well for the last couple of years. Uh, so that was also good to get exposure to, to more people who are in gymnastics or doing, you know, flips with good technique, which I was not. Um, and yeah, it just continued from there. But I don't know if it was a particular person that introduced me to it because I, I was really, um, I say that I'm self-taught, and the reality is I learned from hundreds of different people, if not more, but my first few years of training were definitely not under any kind of tutelage. It was a lot of like training with people when I could, but mostly just a lot of messing around and exploring. Like a ronin. Yeah. And I learned a lot of bad techniques because of that. Hmm. Bad, but, good. But there is no bad or good, but it made me a better teacher because of that. So then it's like yeah. there's still... It's not so much that I learned bad techniques. It's like I moved my attribute points into a different skill. I like it. What, what process did you fall in love with first? So like, I, I was into the Kung Fu stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And then I got into handstands. I remember I got into as well from the old school strongman books. I remember falling on my back a lot. Um, so I would say, yeah, probably martial arts and handstands would nice. be the first, well, the first basics. I mean, you know, like ball sports before that, like when I was playing soccer, I remember, I specifically remember senior year, I was supposed to be on the varsity team, like I was set to be, but I also had driving school at the same time. And basically we had one game that it was at the same time as a driving class. And if I didn't make that driving class, my uh, temporary license would expire. And I would have to wait another six months. So I chose to go to the driving school instead of the soccer game. And I got demoted to junior varsity my senior year because of that. And I thought that was one of the best decisions I made because then it wasn't serious. I wasn't like, uh, I didn't have to take the winning or losing so seriously. I could play around. I didn't have, because you know, there's always that like, you go out and you lose a game and then there's that bus ride back, such a negative energy. I hate that shit. And I, I didn't have to deal with it so much because I was just on JV. And that was a, actually a great decision 
that I didn't go to the varsity senior year, even though it would have meant more status. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, well, having a card will definitely get you more girls than being on the varsity of the soccer team. Well, so I didn't get any girls either way, but <laughs> you you made the right choice, <laughs> but, but I did enjoy having the car. But yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about is, is how serious do you want to take it? And it's something I think about now as well is like, how serious do you want to be with this kind of stuff? And there's no right or wrong answer. And it, it's the, the more serious you get, the more risk there is and the more expectations there are and the more potential there is for negativity. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a professional athlete, you're going to have to deal with that. But that's a, like we said earlier, that's a decision that you make. Yeah, for sure. What was your first training tool that you really like, uh, I guess, became an expert with? training tool i didn't use any for a long time i bought a pair of rings in 2005 this was like the first uh commercial brand rings they were pretty shit quality made of plastic two pieces that were glued together um but that was really exciting for me that was the first like really training you know tool um training implement that i ever used before that i don't think i used anything Right, I did pretty much all body weight training. Didn't do any kind of object manipulation or anything like that. So it was all it was all my own body until a few years into the training when I bought a pair of rings. Nice. What are what are some, I guess, current projects that you're really excited about? Um, I don't really get excited about things so much anymore. But um, the the whole COVID thing, it's been interesting because on on the one hand. I got a lot of my work potential shut down because I can't travel. But on the other hand, I've been home longer than I've ever been. And it's also given me time to to learn a couple new skills and trades that were interesting to me that I didn't, that I wasn't able to commit to because of my travel schedule. So um, I've been getting into voiceover, voice acting, um, st- still a work in progress, but I'm getting my studio set up. I'm understanding the process. And how to do that, because I grew up watching, I still watch a lot of cartoons. So, and I listen to people talk a lot as well, which is also really interesting, because now I can kind of place like the the cadence and speech patterns and understand a bit more of the, the differences between those. So that's always something that fascinated me. So that's something that I've been working on and working towards, and hopefully can do something with it. Um, because it it's nice because it's something you can do out of your closet, uh, which, which is a bonus when you can't <laughs> travel because of restrictions. So my original, this is another thing. Um, I moved to Vegas in 2011, but actually my initial thought was to move to LA to do stunts. And I ended up moving to Vegas because I, I'm glad I did because I don't think I would have liked LA. Um, I, I just don't have the right attitude to live in that city. But my initial thought was to move to LA to do stunts, but it's, you know, it's really expensive to live there. So I moved to Vegas instead. And what I've been doing more recently is actually getting more into, into the film industry, doing some, you know, stunt classes, doing acting classes, uh, with the, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't do things with the intention of like, yeah, I'm going to be a full time, whatever. But I think it's interesting, and for me, it's just really cool that that I'm now have time to develop that, and it, it is a fun thing to do. I did a um a shoot the other night that involved some lines and and a couple fight scenes for uh, a movie that hopefully might make it to Netflix or Showtime or something like that. So it's cool, it's fun, 
It's nice to not have to be in LA to get into that, although Vegas is still not quite there in terms of um, filming stuff. But yeah, um, just just interesting things I've been working on. Which cartoons? Uh, uh, so many. I my favorite when I was yeah, your, up your favorite three, bro, was Batman the animated series. Okay, that was like what was one of the first shows I watched after moving to America, and then I rewatched the whole series like. 20 years later and i was like holy shit this is still just as good this still holds up that, that was awesome cartoon really well done with the the characters and bringing out the you know the darkness and the voice acting yeah i, I watch a lot of animes now i, I appreciate it. it's you know now that i'm studying voice acting i appreciate a lot more what i'm listening to and even like i listen to commercials now because it, it's interesting how they say things the way they do because that's a technique that's not just saying it so it's it's interesting, you know, you learn different things and it changes your perception of the world and what you thought you knew. There's more detail behind it. And then you keep realizing, I keep realizing that everything is a skill. And it and, and again, this idea, just another another line of thinking I've been having as well. I love all the physical stuff, but at the same time, it's good to have, you know, this idea of longevity as well. Like how long can you do this stuff for without risk to yourself? And it's that's kind of why I've been thinking about the voice acting and all this kind of stuff as well is, first of all, just learning something that has nothing to do with what I've been working. So I think that's important is to be a student in a realm that's completely foreign to you. But also, yeah, just thinking um, about how to do work in a capacity that's not physical, because what are the risks of continuing to do physical work long term? You can. I know a lot of acrobats who are still able to perform in their late 40s, you know, in their 50s, and, and they definitely have a process and a, a way of training that allows them to do that. But yeah, it's just tough to think about. And as always, there's no right or wrong answer, but I don't want to, I don't want to be limited. I want to have directions to go to. I don't like, and this is just how I think in general, I like to have multiple paths to follow. I may not go very far in all these paths, but I want to know that I'm not traveling on a one-way road that I can't back out of if it doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, for sure. It is interesting. It's like uh, when you when you or I or anybody um, experiences something that's so foreign, like uh, a brand new topic or even in the micro, right? Like even in the movement field or if you segue into a completely different field, like right now you're doing voiceover, it's almost like traveling. It, it, it creates like a new perspective uh, internally that gives like a new lens on life. Like it's something that you just mentioned that really like uh, brought it to the surface for me. Yeah, it's like you learn, I think of it like like layers of vision, right? Different animals. So we can see, we can see and hear a, a certain percentage of frequencies or the, you know, the visible spectrum. And then some animals can see more. Right, birds have a layer of vision that lets them see the Earth's magnetic field, and whales, and then you know some you know cats can see into the UV spectrum, so like, they can see shit that we can't. And there's a quote from Dune. I love quoting Dune. It's some it's something along the lines of like, "What senses do you lack that you can't see or hear another world around you?" So it's it's this idea, and I like that that every time you learn something new. It develops another layer of your vision that you didn't think about before. That it, it's this stuff that was around you that you saw all the time, but you didn't notice. 
And now you notice. And now that's permanently affected your state of mind for the rest of your life because you've learned how to how to access and acquire another layer of vision, essentially. Yeah, a change of heart, some might say. Yeah, and it, and it compiles, it adds, it, it makes things more complicated, but then you learn, you learn not to take for granted the little things, and then you appreciate everything there is. You appreciate the skill that it takes for somebody to do a mundane task, because you've seen this shit going on all the time, then you don't realize like it's actually years of effort to be able to do it that efficiently. And it, yeah. just simple things like that. And yeah, it, it's developed. I don't want to use the word gratitude because it's, I, I feel it's kind of overhyped in the, in the spiritual realm. I have to practice gratitude, but it, it, like you do, you appreciate, like so I've been taking um, acting class and film class and I appreciate now when I see a movie edit, I appreciate more. I'm not just watching the movie for the, its plot and the acting and all of that. I appreciate more of what's happening behind the scenes. I appreciate the choices that the editor made. I appreciate, you know, what they did with the set to get the, like all these different effects and sound and all the layers. And it's just, it's things that I didn't think about before that now I can appreciate to a higher degree and the work and expertise to do that. Like you don't think about, okay, the sound in a movie, you just talk. But they have a separate sound crew that takes care of all of that. And you don't think of how much work that goes into it. Same thing. You don't think about lighting like, oh, it looks good. And then you don't realize that sometimes they might spend a couple hours just to set up the lighting for a particular scene. And there's people who are specialists in that who do that, who have spent years learning how to get the lights to look a certain way. And you wouldn't even know. And then you try to film shit yourself. And you're like, why? Why doesn't that look good? Because there's (laughs) details that you don't know about that people have studied and have experience in and it, it you know what you know what's crazy is like like when you're talking it's like like a feeling comes up and it's like most people that i meet most people in the world don't have a conscious um experience in their adult life actually learning a new skill period yeah because most people stop learning when it, the society told them, all right, it's time to start learning. Stop learning. Now it's, start, it's time to start doing. We're just like, uh, I could do both. Yeah. I can learn and do. It's such a horrible attitude to have, whether it's intentional or not. Um, I, I think, and this is really important because people get caught up with this idea of being good. Like, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good you are or how good you get. What matters is that you go through the effort to learn something that you can't do. I think it's really important to cut out that stigma because it's hard because you see the highest level you see on the internet, people that have spent years perfecting their craft, and then you try it and you're not anywhere near that, of course. And then you You only see the end result. Yeah. And and you think, oh, well, I can't achieve that because I'm not there, but that's not the point. And the, the reality is that the further you go, the less benefit you get from it. It's that... Like this idea of of learning something new to appreciate it, not with the expectation to get good at it. If you want to get good at it, of course you can. And that's a realm that you should follow at least in a few things. Because if you like, right, that that's the the fallacy in the, um, the generalist approach. Like, oh, I don't want to get too good at anything. Like, well, there's lessons that you learn taking something to a high level that you won't learn if you just fuck around. But... Um, and it's it's an interesting note that I've made in my own process. I something that's new to me right now, I learn faster than stuff that I've been doing for fifteen years. 
because I don't have the habits and I'm in more control of my own learning process. And it's an interesting thing now is that I can learn something new and I'll make better progress faster than trying to to get better at the stuff that I've been doing for so long. Yeah, like like Pareto's principle, 20% of your effort will create 80% of the result and and vice versa. <laughs> the last 20 will take 80% of your effort. Yeah. Totally makes sense. All right, lightning round. What does your daily life look like? Like what time do you go to bed? Uh, around midnight, depending on depending on how I feel. I'd say between between 11 and 12:30 typically. What time do you wake up? Um, usually between I'll get up uh towards the late 7 hours. I'll wake up maybe between between 6:30 to 7:30. By the time I actually uh crawl out of bed and feel like moving, it might be around 7:30. What what does your training schedule look like now? It's hard. It's not constant. So um I'll try to give like a baseline if cuz my schedule changes so much, but in the morning, after I wake up, I'll have a morning routine that I do. It takes oh, maybe 15, 20 minutes. It's just basic stuff, basic movement, joint rotations. I hate saying breath work because it's a buzzword now, but breathing, you know, listening to my like Conscious breathing. Yeah, conscious breathing, um, stuff like that. So that's a pretty light routine, but that's something that I do every morning um, just to awaken the body, awaken the senses. Um then I'll, I'll have some coffee. I'll maybe do some computer. This is assuming I'm not leaving the house that day, which, which is a, a fairly typical day over the last few months. Um, I'll do some work on the computer for a couple hours. Before lunch, I usually like to get some kind of training in. It's usually not a heavy training. It's more, everything is a buzzword now. It's more movement-based. So I might do some club swinging. Um, I might do some rope, just stuff that's not it's not a heavy workout session, but it's just moving the body in different ways. So I'll typically do that before I eat my first meal. That might be around 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, depending on how much I procrastinated uh, doing my work. Then I'll eat a meal, I'll take a nap, I'll do more work, and then in the evening I might do a heavier session. That's when I might do my strength session, which might involve you know rings or weights, maybe sprints or uh, like, you know, doing some flips at the park. So, so it's like going to be, and I'll try to do some movement throughout the day, whether it's just like random stretching or stuff like that. So that, that's typical, fairly. What does your first meal look like? Um, not super heavy, but heavy enough that I'll take a nap afterwards. So, um, a few eggs, you know, maybe some bread with butter, some fruits and vegetables, stuff like that. Ikra, ikra, bro. You need some ikra. I need some ikra, but I never buy it on my own because it's too expensive and I eat, I'll eat it too far. <laughs> some ikra and some taranka, bro. Yeah. Taranka is heavy. I, have, I remember in college, I, I used to enjoy taranka. <laughs> I'm trying to get my grandma to ship me some from New York. I played some pranks on people where I put it in the pockets of their jeans when they weren't looking. That was a good job. Oh, man. All right. Uh, favorite book, or I don't want to say favorite book. I'm sure you've read a lot of books. It's hard to pick a favorite. What's the book that you recommend uh, to people the most? So I, I'm not, because I think a lot of people expect this. Uh, I'm really into like sci-fi and fantasy. I like a story of a book. I don't like a book that tells me how to do shit because I'd rather just get out and experience it. So typically I'm reading fiction. Um, Dune 
Dune is absolutely for me the number one. It's just like so many levels. You could take any sentence from that book and it's an epic quote. It's like so well written, a lot of um a lot of really good insight on environmentalism and you know levels of politics and psychology. And yeah, if I had to recommend one thing, Dune and really the first four books in the Dune series are pretty good. Um they get a little bit weird sometimes. But it, it the first we all bro. Yeah. The first Dune, I enjoyed the first and the fourth. The first Dune, because it's just epic on so many different scales. And then God Emperor of Dune has a lot of... The story doesn't move along as well, but it's got a lot of really good, like, quotable things, you know, insights. And the dude just turns into a giant worm after 3,000 years of eating space drugs. So that's also a giant psychic worm that can see the future and controls all humanity. So that's... uh. Just that plot line of this giant worm with a human head is is enough for me to enjoy. Sounds like an ayahuasca ceremony, bro. Yep. If you were a food, what food would you be? Um, I've been eating, I'm going to say pizza right now, just because I've been making pizza the last few nights. Nice. I have a sourdough batch and I'll make four doughs. Nice. So tonight is my last pizza night before I take a break. I love it. I was actually thinking about making gluten-free pizza tonight, too. If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Um, I've been into cats lately because I live with a couple. They're my roommate's cats, but um, just enjoying their, their philosophy and their outlook on life. You know, a lot of relaxation, a lot of uh, introspection, meditation, um, you know, late night sprints when they feel the need. So I've been, I've been enjoying, uh, I don't know if... It, I, I, I try to be cat-like as much as I can. I try to draw inspiration from them. And it, it, they know how to relax. That's a really important thing that, that you... Really important element that you can draw from cats that, that I think would transcend to a lot of good philosophy. They know how to chill. They know how to relax. They know how to not give a fuck about what's going on around them. But when they need to, they can, they can bolt. They can create the tension and the power. Yeah. Those things are killing machines. Yeah. Uh, you're dying. You you are dying. You know you're dying. dying. Last meal. Oh yeah, we're gonna have to go with some Slavic shit. Um, definitely some some sandwiches with ikra, ikra butter, um, black bread, some onion and tomato on top of that, and then for dessert, either one of those fancy Ukrainian cakes with the like the twenty layers, or <laughs> yeah. um, or and some Napoleon, bro. Yeah, yeah. Those those cakes, man, are another level. You can't like. There's no comparison. I love it. All right. Last experience. Um, with who and where do you go or what do you do? Last experience? It could be as long as you want, as short as you want. Um, I would like to go back to either Ireland or Iceland, probably Ireland. Um, last summer was kind of the first. I don't really take vacations because I travel for work a lot. And I had a moment where I didn't get a lot of people in the workshops and I thought, fuck it, I'll just treat it like a vacation. And I, um, I stayed in Ireland for two weeks. I rented a car and I just drove around and explored. And it's like, there's, there's a powerful energy in that country. So, um, I don't think I saw enough. I would like to go back and do that more properly than what I did. So that would be, yeah, that's on my list right now for sure. Would you go by yourself or with somebody else? I don't know. I'm so used to doing everything by myself. Um, I, I'm open to I'm open to suggestions. Although if I went, I like being by myself because it's what I'm used to. But it would be cool sharing the experience. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. 
I'd probably, if I had to choose, I'd still probably pick to go by myself because it's what I know. There's not um, variables of uncertainty of if I get sick being around people or not. Well, you're dying, so you. I am you dying. Might if it. I'm dying. Oh yeah, th- that's the preframe. Then I'm um, dying. Yeah, by myself. By myself. There's shit I need to think about that that I don't want to get interrupted by other people's energy. I love it. All right. Uh, last piece of advice for the next generation. Um, think think in terms of years, and I get um I get sidetracked by this a lot as well. Like this idea of, and it's part of the internet age, you know, the instant, instant success. Like I'm going to learn this and then I'm going to do it and then I'm going to get out there. But realistically, uh, and it's what I mentioned earlier, you can do whatever you want for the most part within certain limitations, but expect it to take a few years. Expect to have to take a few years either learning the trade, perfecting the craft, or just you know getting enough recognition that people know you as someone in the field. So not to have like you want to learn something you're passionate about. That's fantastic. You should and you need to absolutely have that. Um, if you want to do it on a professional level, give it give it a few years. If you don't give it a few years, then you're not patient enough. It's so learn to think long term. Learn to look ahead in the path that you're walking on. Think about the steps that you're taking now as an investment for the future. So it's not it's not an instant success, but you can be successful. You don't even have to be that good to be successful. But if you're not willing to put in a few years of effort, then it's not going to happen. I love it. All right. Uh, last line on your tombstone. One word, one line up to you. Don't think too much. Ooh, I like it. Deep but also shallow, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, well, where can people find you? Uh, what do you, what are some, what are you, what are the things that you offer? Um, I know you offer, you have like a monthly, uh, training program where you give people like a thing that they can learn for that month. Uh, yeah, I got else? a monthly online, online training group, which was kind of like my response to the, you know, the, the Patreon thing, but without having to give an extra 5% to a middleman. I love it. Um, because basically my, Jew, thing. my Jewish uh, brother, bro. Yeah. <laughs> what, what do they do? Because that's the that was Mike. My, my thought. Okay, they take five percent. What do they do for me? I already have a, a you know video hosting. I already have you know a, the Vimeo account. So anyway, yeah, it's a monthly training group. There's a Facebook group where you can post feedback, and basically, I'm posting like long tutorials, sometimes one to two hours of instructional footage that I don't post anywhere else. So it's exclusive footage and we work different skills every month. Um, and it's not meant to overtake your training. Basically, it's meant to you train it as much as you want. If you enjoy the skill, you can do it every day. If if it's something you want to just play with once in a while, leave in your back pocket. So it's very open. Um, I, I offer online coaching that's personalized um, and in a one-on-one setting. I'm doing online workshops on different topics every Saturday as well. So I have a Makaka workshop. It's a, a, a capoeira-based acrobatic move coming up tomorrow. And I have a dynamic handstands coming up the following week. So that's something I'm doing. Um, other than that, I guess I, I would love to get back to in-person teaching because that's uh, as it's cool that I was able to transfer some of the business online, but the energy is not the same like, as teaching in person. So when shit calms down, or maybe you know, some places in the U.S. might be already 
if people aren't scared to get in a room with other people and germs, heaven forbid, germs are scary things, man, you can't see them. But um, assuming people aren't scared to get out of their houses, I'm open to to traveling in the US to doing in-person workshops. Had to cancel a bunch of stuff in Europe this year, so I'm waiting for the travel restrictions to be lifted to start teaching in person abroad again. Um, so uh, I'm going to try to make that happen when I can, but yeah. Cool. I love it. Um, well, send me your links. I'm going to post them so that people can find you. Uh, I appreciate you, bro, for coming on and let's, let's get together sometime. Let's go on a hike at Red Rock or something. Yeah, I'm not I'm scared of germs. I'm not scared of germs, bro. Yeah, neither am I. I'm, I'm the biggest germ there is. I don't give a fuck about no germs. Yeah, we're all, and it's just an interesting thing. Like, I don't want to get too deep into the politics, but kids are primed to take in germs, right? What do they do? They pick shit up off the floor and they eat it. Why? Because yeah. they're they're inoculating themselves. Yeah, dirt. That's the best yeah. the best probiotics for yeah, soil. Absolutely. Based. And it, it, like women used to sit naked without underwear on the soil, so it would go in their vaginas as well. And like that's that like we need dirt, like we need bacteria. We are bacteria. Yeah. We're we're more not us than us. And it's yeah, it's just, just interesting how um people get so scared of this shit that why are you all of a sudden scared of, of germs? You can't disinfect. You can live in a bubble, but then what's going to happen? You're going to get weak. You have to, yeah. you have well, to eat off the floor are, once a week. You have to eat off the floor once a week to build up that immune system. That's that's always been my philosophy. 100%. 100%. Well, thank you for joining me, bro. I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the future, um, especially like this ending right here is perfect for the next conversation to start at. Yeah, yeah for sure. All right, brother. Have a beautiful day. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you and seeing you sometime soon. Thank you for listening to the Alchemy of Self podcast. If you resonate with our message, please show us some love by hitting the subscribe button and giving us a like. You can also visit our website at www.romza.com to continue your journey of self-discovery and keep up with our latest offerings. With love and harmony from all of us at the Alchemy of Self podcast.